Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Scott Guasco, and this is episode 117 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today, I give a quick recap of Thursday Night Football between the Bears and the Packers, and I'm going to let Daniel take the rest of the episode to give his bold predictions and crazy calls as he was unable to do it when I dropped mine. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Last night was somewhat of a buzzkill, huh? We finally get football. Everybody's excited about it, but we end up with a fifth preseason game, unfortunately, between the Bears and the Packers on Thursday Night Football to kick off the season. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited that football is back, and I was excited to hear Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and and get the whole team back in it. Uh, It felt good to have real football um, that mattered on the screen. But, yo, the Bears didn't play preseason, at least their starters. The Packers didn't do much either. They have a new offense, a new coaching staff. They're trying to figure out and get their feet underneath them. Pretty sloppy game for the most part. I'm going to quickly review how the game went, my quick reactions to a lot of questions. I'm getting blown up on the social medias about red alarms going everywhere here. So let me run down player by player for significance in this game, and then I'm going to turn it over to Daniel. First of all, let's go with the Packers. Uh, They win the game uh, 10-3, to but it was not pretty. Um, pretty much just because the Bears were not prepared to play a meaningful game yet without a bunch of their players having meaningful time in the preseason. Nonetheless, the Bears escape with a road win, which is going to be huge coming down the stretch um, later on, assuming these two teams are at the top of the North Division in the the, uh, NFC. So let's go with Aaron Rodgers, 203 yards and a touchdown. Um, That touchdown goes to Jimmy Graham. It was nice to see him out and healthy. Uh, Huge body, obviously. That was nice to see. The running backs were very frustrating. Of course, I kept uh, Aaron Jones in the in the uh, listener, or excuse me, the league of record, and I've been touting him all offseason. I'm still very, very excited about him. You know, relax overall in this game. There's a lot of people stressed out and worried about a lot of players. Everybody just kind of chill a little bit. It is the first game of the season. It's a tough matchup on the road, a huge rivalry Thursday night out of routine, both these teams are going to get much, much more fluid and much better here once the season goes on. So everyone take a breath. Rodgers is going to be just fine. Aaron Jones um, only ran the ball 13 times for 39 yards. He only had a a long run of nine yards. Um, That is definitely cause for concern. But the biggest cause for concern is not Aaron Jones, but it remains Jamal Williams, who rushed the ball five times for zero yards. That's right. He had a long run of five yards, but he got hit behind the line of scrimmage enough times to eventually end up with zero yards. I'm not worried about Jamal Williams as a skill player. I'm worried about him just eating carries for some reason. Um, So hopefully, again, Matt LaFleur figures his shit out. Not the way to do it. Um, He should be spelling him when Aaron Jones is tired, not just to put him in there because he's supposed to be better at blocking. Um, Last year, nobody was – or last week – um, excuse me, last night, sorry, nobody was good at uh, blocking the quarterback, um, blocking for the quarterback, I should say, uh, as the Bears picked up five sacks and Aaron Rodgers was absolutely under pressure the entire night. So running back, backfield for the Packers, um, I, you know, concerned for sure because I just don't want this to be a shit show like it was last year. However, um, I, I just 
the the cream rises to the to the top and it's got to be Aaron Jones going forward so don't drop him don't trade him yet let's see another game not against one of the best defenses in the league and not on the road i like Aaron Jones moving forward into the receivers uh MVS actually leads the Packers in yardage um and ties Devontae for receptions for four catches 52 yards um a 47 yard catch for MVS which is real nice Devontae Adams only four catches for 36 yards not we don't like to see that, obviously, right? They just weren't on the same page. There was a lot of kind of errant throws. There was a couple of passes. I think Devontae Adams could have gone for a little bit more than he did. Nonetheless, the, the timing was off a little bit. Again, I think that that is just a, you know, knocking the rust off. Aaron Jones, or Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have a mind meld. I'm sure they will be just fine moving forward. Not super stressed out, but definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Jimmy Graham came out real nice, three catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown there. Um, for a tight end, that's awesome. In PPR leagues, that's six points there, plus another six for the touchdown. That's 12 points from your uh, tight end. That's awesome. You probably drafted Jimmy Graham late if you even got him at all. One thing I want to mention is Geronimo Allison was skunked. Uh, no catches on the game. Um, limited playing time. Uh, that is something to monitor for sure. Uh, I'm not, I don't like to see that. I'm really high on Geronimo Allison. Hopefully it, it turns over moving forward. The Packers defense looks really, really good as well. They also had five sacks, and um, I like that a lot. They had 11 QB hits, so they're definitely getting the pressure on Trubisky. So the Packers defense might be a sleeper here. Let's move on to the Bears. Mitch Trubisky, rough game, uh, didn't play in the preseason. 228 yards, a pick, uh, five sacks. Um, no touchdowns for Mitch Trubisky just looked shady kind of all over the field. Uh, they had back-to-back delay of game penalties on the same drive. The bears did just a lot of miscommunication going on between Nagy and Trubisky and, and the overall, uh, team for the bears. So they looked rusty for sure. Their defense is stellar. So they kept him in the game, but the offense looked bad, um, all night long. A player that didn't look bad but didn't get enough rep was David Montgomery. So everyone's you know hitting me up asking about David Montgomery. I'm super high on Montgomery, super high on Aaron Jones. Relax on both of them. They're going to be just fine. Montgomery, six carries, 18 yards. He also had a one 27-yard catch that was a beauty. He is the best athlete on the field. Out of those running backs, Tariq Cohen is awesome, but he doesn't do both as well as David Montgomery does. Mike Davis was there. He got five carries, 19 yards. <clears throat> And he also had six catches for 17 yards. So this is a three-headed monster for now. Tariq Cohen uh, didn't do much in the run game at all, but he did have eight catches for 49 yards. So this is a three-headed monster. I still like David Montgomery. The ADP was crazy. You know, if you picked him up like I did, it was in the fourth round. But we were kind of prepared for this potentially um, to have him not getting full workload right away. So just, you know, pace yourself on this a little bit and uh, take a breath and just see what happens in the next week or two. Receiving-wise, Allen Robinson was the star of this entire game. Seven catches, 102 yards. He could have had closer to 150-plus if Trubisky had his shit together this game. Allen Robinson, frankly, looked awesome. Um, he looked really, really good in this game. Uh, he had a really nice uh, rapport with Trubisky. Um, he looked good in his catches, his breaks. Looks like he's fully healthy. A couple years removed off that ACL. So Allen Robinson could end up being a nice um, value pick there in the middle to late rounds if you were able to scoot him up. So that's nice to see. I wasn't super high on him just because I didn't know what to expect. But we saw him score, you know, you know, uh, 1,500 yards um, and 15 touchdowns in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles a few years ago. So there's definitely upside there. 
Taylor Gabriel, not much. Um, the rest of the guys, not much there. So, uh, you know, Anthony Miller also um, was nowhere to be found, just like Geronimo Allison. So there's two names there that just kind of disappeared in this game somehow, unfortunately. Bears defense did what they do. Um, if you started them, you're happy with just 10 points. But uh, again, if, if they don't have much of an offense, um, could be could be a little bit rough for the Bears defense moving forward. So just a quick recap on the game. First game of the season, super pumped. I'm real Really excited to have the NFL back, of course. 100th year of the NFL. Fantasy football is officially underway. Packers get the win on the road against the rival Bears 10-3. to I'm going to turn over the rest of the episode to Daniel, who's going to drop in his bold predictions and crazy calls for the episode, and I will catch you all next time. Hey, listeners, let's take a break here. If you like what you're hearing and you want to find more of us outside of the podcast, Please like us and follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod Facebook at the candlestick kids fantasy podcast. You can always drop us an email at TCK pod at gmail.com. And of course, leave a rate and review on the podcast. You can also check out our website. That is tckpod.com for my week one rankings and starts at articles by Lucas. Before we get into Daniel's crazy calls, here's a quick word from our sponsor anchor. Stay tuned. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's Anchor. Dot fm slash start i can't wait to hear your podcast hey everyone daniel coming to you solo for this segment uh where i'm going to be running down my bold predictions and crazy calls for the 2019 fantasy season uh, i was really hoping to do this live with sky but unfortunately life's kind of gotten in the way and we won't really have a chance to do so uh before the season gets underway but I really wanted to get these out there before play begins and crazy stuff starts happening, as it undoubtedly will. So let's go ahead and get into it. Um, I think Sky already went over this a little bit. but uh, So first, I'm going to be talking about five bold predictions for the fantasy season. And these are things that are certainly, statistically speaking, at least unlikely, but um, at least have a decent amount of merit and could, uh, you know, there's a, f- a feasible chance that uh, that at least some of these should come true. Um, and then I'll talk about five crazy calls, which are 
uh, evidence-based to some extent, but sh- uh, but idea likely will not come true as they're uh, relatively outlandish. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, first, my first bold prediction is that Will Fuller of the Houston Texans stays healthy the whole year and scores 10 touchdowns. So this is kind of bold in two ways. One, predicting that he's going to stay healthy the whole year, which he has never done. And, uh, and B, that he's going to score 10 touchdowns, which is kind of a lot. Um, so uh, this is just based on, on obviously the fact that, as everyone I think knows, Will Fuller has never lacked major upside. His per-game pace with Deshaun Watson as quarterback is unreal, actually. He's averaged 70-plus yards and a, touchdowns, a touchdown per game the last two years. Um, and that's, I, I think, the, the last two years incarnation of the Texans offense. I think their offense will continue to move forward and take a step forward this year. I think Deshaun Watson takes even yet another step forward this year. Um, and I'm just expecting a smoother overall ride for Fuller rather than the kind of start and stop roller coaster we've come to know from him over the past couple of years. So I think this is the year where he finally capitalizes on that upside. I don't really have anything else to say to that. Uh, the, the, the him staying healthy thing, I think, is just a hunch. Uh, that this is finally the year where he puts that behind him, um, and uh, and and you know if that comes to fruition, I think him putting up monster numbers is is not that outlandish. Second bold prediction is that Darrell Henderson, uh, rookie for the Los Angeles Rams, is this year's Alvin Kamara and is going to win you your fantasy fantasy league. Um, so. A little bit about Henderson, uh, for those of you who don't know, a ta- super talented rookie who is basically one injury away from having unbelievably major value. Uh, so Todd Gurley, as, as a lot of you I'm sure are aware at this point, has a quote-unquote arthritic component to his knee, um, which slowed him down considerably at the end of last season. And you saw uh, C.J. Anderson come through in a major way at the end of the year. Um, it's unclear exactly how much that's going to affect them this season, but there's undoubtedly cause for concern. Um, so that was really more about Todd Gurley, a little bit more about Henderson. Uh, he ran all over the American Athletic Conference uh, last season in college, posting an absurd 1,909 yards, which just for the record is 8.9 yards per carry, and scoring 25 touchdowns. Um, he's 5'8", 203 pounds, a little bit undersized, uh, but he ran a 4.49, 40 at the, at the, com- at the uh, scouting combine. So you know he has unbelievable bursts he will produce if he gets the chance. Now, it used to be that playing behind Gurley earned you a nice seat on the bench for most of the game. Um, for starters, uh, Rams coach Sean McVay has already said that the Rams will use more two-back sets this season, likely to ease the workload for Gurley to hopefully help his knee hold up for, for the entirety, entirety of the season. Um so even if Gurley plays, um, I think it's reasonable to to suggest that um, that Henderson could come through, especially as the season goes on, with major value in much the same way that uh, Alvin Kamara did down the stretch for the Saints in uh, it was I guess that was two years ago and two seasons ago now. Um, but my uh, part of this prediction really is that is that Gurley will not be on the field for the entire year; that that knee will act up on him, and he will take either a minor role or potentially sit out entirely. Uh, leaving uh, 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 Henderson to to run hog wild on on their opponents, and I really think he could be a star. I think it's important to keep in mind, like I said, uh, kind of hinted at a second ago. Keep in mind what C.J. Anderson did last year when Gurley was out, um, which just for the record was scoring a combined forty seven PPR points in the final two games of the regular season, and that was C.J. Anderson. No disrespect, but uh, Darrell Henderson is uh, you know I think has a 
tremendous amount more upside. Um, and, uh, and I, I, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable to invest in him with a mid round pick, uh, and stash him all year long in hopes that he could potentially win your league towards the end. All right. Bold prediction number three, and this is, I think getting a little bit bolder. This is bordering on a crazy call, but I'm going to go ahead and just say that's bold. And that's that Melvin Gordon doesn't play a single game for the Los Angeles Chargers and that Justin Jackson, not Austin Eckler, is the most valuable running back in in that organization. So um, just for the record, let's just recap what happened last year. When So Melvin Gordon missed four games last year. Um, Austin Eckler missed two games, both missed week 15 uh, and when Justin Jackson got the start. Um, Eckler has been extremely efficient overall in his time in the NFL. He's had uh, about a little more than 5.2 yards per carry, 10.3 yards per, uh, per reception in the past two seasons. But what's worth noting is that he's been much more efficient in a secondary role to Gordon. In regular season games where both Eckler and Melvin Gordon played in 2018, Eckler averaged 6.44 yards per carry, 12.1 yards per reception, as compared to only 3.23 yards per carry and 6.3 yards per reception in the three games that he played without Gordon. So long story short, my bold prediction is that if Gordon continues his holdout uh, through the regular season, and I'm I'm convinced that he's going to hold it, I think he will play at some point, but I do not think it will be for the Los Angeles Chargers. I think that even though they've they've sort of touted Eckler as kind of the lead guy going at least at the beginning of the season, I think Justin Jackson ultimately finishes with more touches than Eckler, um, and I think uh, Eckler will keep, will ultimately be settled into the role where he has flourished, which is more of a kind of a change of pace uh, complement to the lead guy. Um, all indications are that this is not going to be the case, uh, hence why this is so bold, brinking on crazy. I mean, they've touted. Eckler, he's certainly going to get the nod at least at the beginning of the season. But my prediction is that uh, is that it settles back into a role where Eckler is more of a supporting character and Justin Jackson is the lead dog. All right, on to my fourth bold prediction, uh, and that is that David Johnson is the number one overall player in fantasy. I'm particularly focusing on PPR formats here. Um, so, of course, most of you, anybody who's listening to this podcast has probably played fantasy football for at least a couple of years and is familiar with, with the frustrations over the last couple of years of David Johnson's career. He missed most of 2017 with a broken wrist, and he was uh, not certainly valueless in fantasy, in fantasy last year, but he was overall a fairly massive disappointment um, in 2018. Um, I still think he's unquestionably one of the most talented running backs in the league. Let's just go back to 2016 for a second, where he caught 80 passes on 120 targets for 879 yards and four touchdowns. He was clearly misused badly last season. He only got 76 targets. He caught 50 of them. He only had a measly 446 yards receiving, which is ridiculous for a dual purpose running back uh, that David Johnson is. So if the uh, Cardinals new head coach Cliff Kingsbury uses Johnson properly, which all indications are that he will, I don't think it's a stretch to think that Johnson could amass what over a thousand yards rushing and over a thousand receiving yards. So that's exactly what I'm predicting he's going to do. Thus finishing as the number one overall player in fantasy. And then finally, for my final bold prediction, I couldn't leave this podcast without referencing my boy James White. Uh, I I already uh, called him uh, my gamer for for the 2019 NFL season. Uh, This is self-serving to to a reasonable extent. He's my keeper in in the league of record that uh, Sky and I play in. 
Um, so this is at least to some extent wishful thinking, but but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's as ridiculous as it sounds. So my my prediction with James White is that he's going to catch 100 passes this year. So how this is bold? White had a career high 87 catches last season. Only three players at the running back position in NFL history have managed a 100 catch season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did it last year. Uh, Matt Forte did it in 2014, and Ladanian Tomlinson did it in 2003. Now, here's why I think this will come through. So 27, James White is 27 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He's coming into his sixth season on what now seems to be uh, somewhat of a less crowded – there's a lot of running backs over there, but somewhat of a less crowded pass-catching pass core. Um, he's listed on the depth chart, of course, as a running back, uh, but where he makes his money is, of course, in the passing game. Um, I think the, the main part about this, as I talked about uh, in the previous podcast, was that a lot of this comes from uh, Rob Gronkowski's retirement. Although <laughs> the more the more people are talking, the more people it sort of or the more it seems like he's he Gronk might play at some point this year. But there's nevertheless, there's no doubt that even if he does, it'll be for part of the season. And uh, and um, you know he's not the player that he once was, of course. Um, a lot of those tight end targets. Uh, are more likely, in honesty, to go to a running to a pass catching running back than they are to a wide receiver. Listen to our our uh, gamers podcast for for more uh, in depth sort of analysis about that. Um, so I think he has a, a, a very good shot to 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 uh, you know pick up some of those vacant targets. Um, uh, they actually well, this was a kind of an outdated statistic. Unfortunately, I don't have an up to date statistic, but. Basically, they calculated before Josh Gordon uh, got reinstated, uh, they calculated that the, the uh, Patriots had approximately 155 vac- vacant targets up for grabs following the departure uh, departures of Chris Hogan, Corderell Patterson, and Rob Gronkowski. Um, again, you have to sort of take that down a, a few notches with the return of Josh Gordon. Um, but, uh, but, you know, the, the bottom line is that White, White proved – uh, thoroughly capable of shouldering a bigger workload in 2018. Gronkowski uh, missed, you know, some time with an injury. Julian Edelman was out for four games with a suspension. Um, and again, he was thrust into a much larger role, ended up with 87 catches, which is the third best among all running backs. And he finished as fantasy football's overall, I believe, running back seven. Um, I, this all, the other kind of big piece of this is, is Tom Brady, who of course is still, you know, an, unbelievable NFL quarterback, unbelievable competitor. Um, But I get the sense that Tom Brady may be counting on the likes of James White more than ever, more than ever with somewhat of a diminished receiving core. And, uh, and just in general, his, his, you know, continued aging and potential decline might make James White just uh, sort of take the next step in terms of his being an easy uh, target for, for Brady. Um, so, you know, 100 receptions, of course, is tough to come by. Like I said, it's only been done three times. But I think it's in the realm of possibility for James White. Um, uh, he drew – what did he draw? I mean, sorry, I'm pulling up my statue. 123 targets through the air last season. Um, if he can improve his 71 – around 71% catch rate, which admittedly was only 29th among running backs, uh, he could – I think he has a very real chance to wind up being the fourth running back in NFL history to reach the hundred catch mark. So I think the opportunity will be there. Um, we'll see if he gets it done. All right. So that is it for my bold predictions. I'm going to go ahead and move on to my crazy calls. Lest you think that what I was saying a second ago was ridiculous. 
now things are going to get completely out of hand. Um, but you know, this is all in fun. Uh, don't draft according to these, to these predictions. Uh, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's fun to go back, you know, at the end of the season or partway through the season and, and kind of laugh at some of these. So here we go. All right. So let's go ahead and get into our, uh, or my, I should say crazy calls for the 2019 fantasy football season. Um, these are, uh, highly unlikely to come true, uh, which makes it that much sweeter uh, when they actually do. Uh, but by no means, this is more fun for us and hopefully fun for you to listen to. Um, but uh, please don't don't structure your fantasy draft strategies around the calls per se. Um, although I think the reasoning behind them is at least somewhat sound. So so you know, uh, I don't know. Do with the information what you will. Okay, let's go ahead and get in with my first crazy call: is that Corey Davis, wide receiver of the Tennessee Titans finishes as a top 12 receiver, um, which given, you know, what, what the tit- Titans offense is projected to be, I think this qualifies, I was originally put this in bold predictions, but uh, after talking to Sky about it a little bit more, I think it's thoroughly crazy, actually, the idea that Corey Davis would finish as a wide receiver one. But here goes my reasoning, at least as to why it could happen. So among 32 players with at least 100 targets last year, only two people two players scored scored on a lower percentage of their targets than Corey Davis. And those were Jarvis Landry and Saquon Barkley. Among those 32 players, the average touchdown percentage was 5.8 across the league. It was 5.1. So if Davis had scored even at that 5.1 percentage mark, he'd have scored another roughly two touchdowns last year, which I know doesn't sound like much, but it would have at least put him in the wide receiver two conversation. So considering that he had a higher percentage of his targets come up when lined up against top 25 graded corners than any other receiver. So, so but, but let me just kind of unpack that for a sec. Corey Davis had 43% of his targets when he was dealing with top 25 cornerbacks in the NFL. And that's, uh, I, I think, uh, I'm not sure if that's the most in the NFL, but it's at least among the top. Um, Hopefully, uh, the idea being that the additions of the likes of Adam Humphreys and AJ, rookie A.J. Brown and the return of Delaney Walker, um, my thinking on this is that the, those guys, uh, the addition of those guys might help divert some of that attention. Um, and I would say that Corey Davis's ceiling is much, much higher than popular opinion has it. In all reality, I think it's Corey Davis is going to majorly exceed his ADP. I actually dra- I'm playing in three leagues this year. I drafted him in all three. Um, no, is, is, is he, I mean, is he likely to finish in the top 12? Probably not. But, uh, but I, you know, this bold prediction I think is at least based in some truth. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I definitely think Corey Davis is somebody that you can target in drafts. Do not pick him in the first or second round though, as this crazy call would have you believe. Moving on. Uh, second crazy call is that Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, both, of course, tight ends of the Philadelphia Eagles are going to combine for 2,000 yards and 16 touchdowns. So this is pretty crazy. So this is basically uh, uh, based on the information that's come out of the Eagles training camp over the past couple months um, that they have been practicing a high uh, practicing a high volume of two tight end formations over the course of their camp. So working behind Ertz. As a rookie, Dallas Goddard had 33 catches for 334 yards and four touchdowns. He was the 20th ranked tight end in fantasy football as a rookie and as a second tight end, a second tight end option on his own team. So that's actually remarkably impressive. Um, 
All accounts from training camp have been really just highlighting how much of a beast Dallas Goddard has been. So he looks to be a prime breakout candidate, I think, on his own. As for Ertz, I don't think a whole lot needs to be said. We all saw what he did last year. Uh, 1,163 yards, eight touchdowns in 2018. Um, and again, with the Eagles preparing to utilize two tight end sets to a, a greater extent, uh, perhaps more often than not, uh, I think this pair could potentially match my prediction. The other piece of this is that is that outside, so they have, getting onto their receiving core for a second, uh, Alshon Jeffrey is is sort of ensconced, I think, in his wide receiver one role. Uh, Deshaun Jackson has his role. He's going to be a deep man. Outside of that, though, I, I don't think, you know, they have Nelson Aguilar hanging around, who I just quite frankly don't really think is all that good. Uh, I do like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, but I think, um, and I, although he definitely has touchdown upside, I don't necessarily think uh, this is the year that he's going to break out and become a primary option. Um, definitely a, a target in dynasty leagues, however. Um, so I legitimately think that Goddard and, and Ertz are both going to be extremely viable receivers for Carson Wentz this year. Um, and I, I, I think uh, it's it's certainly not unreasonable to expect that they those two will both be fantasy-relevant tight ends. And I'm going to say that they're both going to be beasts and, like I said, com- uh, collectively put up 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns. Crazy as hell, of course, but uh, it, it wouldn't be fun if it wasn't. Um, all right, so now that we're going to get even more ridiculous, my third crazy call is that Jared Goff is going to be benched and Blake Bortles will come to the rescue. Stranger things have happened in the NFL. Um, the Rams saw some value in add, uh, adding the Jags' bust quarterback, uh, Blake Bortles, to the mix. If Goff struggles, uh, Bortles could be the main the main guy on our center. Um, I think part of this is just, and I just want to remind everybody who may have reached for golf in their drafts, uh, unfortunately is pretty, he was pretty unbelievably awful uh, towards the end of the 2018 season. And he was just unbelievably awful during his three postseason games. During that stretch, he completed only 55.7% of his passes, averaging only 237.3 passing yards per game and a one to two, touchdown to interception uh, interception ratio that is really yucky um if this trend continues the king of garbage time blake bortles will see field time um and i just think he if he does i think he'll be way better than he was with jacksonville i'm banking on sean mcveigh and company kind of working out some of his mechanics um uh but you know and he has obviously a lot more uh skilled receivers to throw to in los angeles than he did in jacksonville um so i i think if he gets field time, he could parlay himself into some real fantasy value. Um, of course, you know, uh, Jared Goff could could majorly exceed my expectations and take a big step forward this year. The Rams obviously think so. They just gave him a big old contract extension. Um, so all indications are that this isn't going to happen. Uh, but if if Goff does struggle in his bench, I think you could see there's. it's not unreasonable to imagine some real value coming from Blake Bortles. Um, it'll probably come with some interceptions and some ugliness, but, but it's not completely outside of the realm of possibility. All right. Fourth crazy call is that Zay Jones and John Brown are both top 24 wide receivers. Um, so I had to get a Bills prediction in this, in, uh, for this segment. I, I'm, I'm really, really high on the Bills this year. Um, so this is basically just first of all predicated on the notion that Josh, Josh Allen is going to more effectively utilize the cannon of an arm that he has um, to a greater extent than he did last year. 
Um, I talked all about Josh Allen in my uh, sleepers uh, segment, so I'll go ahead and just leave that there, uh, and I'll move on to John Brown. So, so let me just remind listeners that John Brown was extremely impressive in Baltimore last year before Lamar Jackson took over, um, and the camp reports surrounding Brown have been glowing. But really, really gets me excited are the volume stats that he could potentially gobble up with Josh Allen uh, continually <laughs> attempting to throw the football over mountains. Uh, testing the limits of his deep balls. Um, But if we're talking volume stats, targets are only half the picture. Air yards are equally important and not discussed nearly enough. If you're unfamiliar, I'm just going to give a quick, and and if you, for those of you who hate stats, uh, you feel free to to, uh, put this on mute for the next, I don't know, 30 to 60 seconds. Um, But I'm just going to give you a quick explainer of of what air yards means and why it's important. So basically, just know that targets are predictive of receptions where air yards are predictive of big plays. So we know eight or more targets per game are great for a receiver. Similarly, you'd like your wide receiver one to see north of 90 air yards per game. Anything over 110 air yards per game is absolutely fantastic. So per next-gen stats, uh, which is just an incredible um, uh, 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 football stat uh, website, Brown averaged... 98.8 air yards per game last year with a Ravens team that ran a similar run heavy offense to what we're probably anticipating from Buffalo. Um, and as laid out six to seven targets per game with 90 to 110 air yards per contest easily makes Brown a top 24 receiver in terms of pure volume. So I think him getting in the top 24 is is really not that unreasonable. I think what makes this crazy is saying that both he and Zay Jones are going to do it in what I uh, and in what does figure to be at least a reasonably run heavy offense. Um, technically, Zay Jones was the Bills' leading receiver last year, and though he wasn't uh, great in get, at getting separation, I think he could work in a nice tandem with John Brown, sort of uh, as a role. Uh, maybe comparable to what uh, uh, Jarvis Landry might play alongside Odell Beckham, kind of a PPR target monster. Um, so, with those things said, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm I'm predicting here that both of those guys end up in the top 24. Probably won't happen, but I think both of them are make for very interesting later round targets in fantasy drafts this year. And then finally, my last crazy call is that Calvin Ridley outscores Julio Jones on the Atlanta Falcons. Now, first, let me just say that this is not an indictment of Julio Jones or an assertion that he's overrated. Uh, This is called, first of all, is crazy. Second of all, um, is at least to some extent predicated on the fact, on on the prediction that Julio Jones's seemingly chronic foot issues finally cause him to actually miss uh, games. So that's the Julio side. Now why I like Ridley so much. So he had uh, a pretty monstrous rookie season, uh, to the tune of 64 catches, 120, excuse me, 821 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, the yardage isn't necessarily overwhelmingly spectacular, but 10 touchdowns is very impressive. Um, repeating that touchdown total might be tough, but it's worth noting that he was absolutely um, a monster last year in the red zone. Uh, I think he he just generally his 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 defenses just seemingly can't slow him down in that part of the field could be a fluke uh, after one season of of this but I'm going to go ahead and just say that it's not that he really is going to be a primary red zone target uh, for for Matt Ryan um, but the other the other thing here is I think it's very likely that he could improve upon his rookie year catches and yards totals so he's the you know still obviously the second option 
uh, in their offense. But the Atlanta Falcons offense, particularly their passing game, should be quite potent. Um, and uh, and I think he, just in general, even if nothing happens to Julio Jones and he plays every game, uh, I think he's an excellent target to pair alongside him. I think he has the potential to, to have a, a, a uh, uh, more than a hundred thousand, or excuse me, more than a thousand yard season. Um, I think he's a very reasonable bet to have 80 receptions, uh, like I said, in over a thousand yards. Um, so if he were to put up yardage like that and continue to, to outproduce Julio in terms of touchdowns, um, it's not entirely unreasonable to imagine that he could outproduce Julio Jones in fantasy. Probably won't happen. Julio Jones, of course, remains one of the greatest pass catchers in the NFL. Um, one of the best pass catchers probably in the history of the NFL. Um, so, so, you know, don't, don't bank on this happening, but I think, uh, you know, given that his ADP is what probably right around 50 ish, uh, he's around roughly around the 20th receiver off the board. Um, the takeaway here is that he's definitely somebody that you could target, um, as a, as a second or third wide receiver, um, and has a chance to deliver massive, massive, massive payback on that investment. So that's it for my crazy calls. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening to them and laughing at them and, and t- talking about how ridiculous they are. Um, I will be super thrilled if one of these comes true, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, uh, but nevertheless, we're having a lot of fun over here. Um, can't wait to review these uh, partway through the season and then at the end of the season. I uh, hope you enjoy and good luck. Uh, the fantasy season begins now. So hopefully uh, y'all are excited. I know I'm excited. Um, enjoy yourselves. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to email us at tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. You can also find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod or Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. And please check out our new website, tckpod.com. Big shout out to Lucas once again for putting in the time behind the scenes to create uh, the articles that he's been putting into and uploading the rankings as well. And big up to our man, Paul, who got the website picked up in the first place. So shout out to you guys for all the work behind the scenes. Make sure that you are giving us a like and a follow on the social medias. If you've gotten any value from this podcast, leave a rate and review. We much, much appreciate it. Make the most of the rest of your day and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. For Daniel Sincato, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.